that video wasn't necessarily funny. I don't know why you guys are laughing right now. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Mark? There's still some snickering going on. I don't fully understand what's happening. We begin a new series here today, and it's in the book of Mark. And um, Mark is an action-packed gospel. It's often thought this was the first gospel that was actually written, and that... um, Mark, he wasn't a disciple, so to speak, as far as one of the twelve, but it's believed that Mark was somebody that had been around Jesus, had been around the disciples and things like that, and he was writing to a Roman audience, and quite possibly Roman Christians, and um, so there's a lot of things that he says that I think would draw their attention. He uses the word like immediately, and there's a sense of urgency with Mark, and he gets right into the action. If you look at some of the other Gospels, Matthew starts with the genealogy, trying to demonstrate that Jesus is king and he's in this lineage as the Messiah. Luke begins with the birth of Jesus, and Mark, right out the gate, he begins with this man named John the Baptist. And so that's where we're going to be at today, but the message today is entitled Simply Divine. And you'll see why I entitled it that way. But uh, judging by the looks on some of your faces, you're giving me some looks you don't normally give. And in fact, I even saw one cell phone already take a picture of me. (laughs) That does not normally happen. Brady does not even know that I'm dressed like this today. She's back in kids' church. But I had a thought last night. I almost tripped over my shoestring here. John the Baptist was a pretty crazy guy. You know, the the kind of attire that he had and the boldness that he had. And there was all kinds of religious leaders that were in their nice, fancy robes. And John was preaching a message, not just at your average, ordinary people, but he was preaching to all people. And can you imagine the religious folk that see this unkempt, awkward, simple man out there telling people they need to repent because the kingdom is near. I mean, people were curious. I'm guessing if they had smartphones in that day, they'd probably be taking some pictures just like some of you have. They might have chuckled a little bit. Look at that guy. This is crazy. But they were also curious about his message. And imagine... This crazy guy preaching in such a way that it's cutting to people's hearts and they're going, I think I need to get baptized. Because he brought a message about repenting of your sin and getting ready for the kingdom of God that was coming. And so we're going to walk through this here today with a little bit of that set up. And we're going to see this encounter between John the Baptist and Jesus And then also a little more into this particular chapter. But if you would, let's pray together and ask the Lord's blessing upon this time as we're in the word. Father, I thank you that we can gather around your word and that we trust that you're going to be speaking to us. I pray, Father, that we would all know 
the power that is in Jesus. He was not just a man, but he was the Son of God. And there's power in Jesus to transform hearts and lives. And I believe, Lord, even almost 2,000 years later, there's a seriousness to the urgency of the fact that your kingdom is at hand and lives are hanging in the balance. And I pray that today this message would resonate in our hearts. Please use me to speak your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mark 1, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. He said, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. And he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, and clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Now all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and to hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. And for food, he ate locusts and wild honey. And John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. And I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. And as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart, and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan for forty days. And he was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. And he said, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. That's where we're going to stop. Let's just start right out the gate with verse 1. The emphasis. I think you've got a summary here of what Mark is trying to say to his audience. Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he is the Son of God. This is good news. Good news. The word gospel 
means good news. And he's talking about this kingdom that God will bring in, this kingdom of God. And Jesus is the king, and there's good news that comes with this. But if I was in Rome, and he starts off that letter and says, I'm going to declare to you the gospel, my immediate thought might be, there's news about the emperor, and there's news about our kingdom. But Mark is making a point. There's a new kingdom that's coming, and we're going to get right down to this. There was a man by the name of John the Baptist. Now, after centuries where there was no prophetic voice in Israel, almost 400 years where there was no speaking, a messenger has arrived, and this messenger was John the Baptist. And he prepared the way for Jesus. Now, in ancient times, a king's envoy would actually travel ahead of the king, pronouncing that the king was coming. And so here we have John as a messenger, as a herald, announcing his king's arrival. You know, John was a simple and unworthy man that was pointing people to someone that was way more powerful than he was. He even says, there's someone coming that's greater than I am. I'm not even worthy to be this man's slave. And John dressed much like the prophet Elijah in order to distinguish himself from the religious leaders and their long and flowing robes and their great pride. And John's appearance was very striking. There was something to that. If I'm thinking about maybe somebody that a little bit of a modern day John the Baptist, my, one of my first thoughts was Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty. Anybody with me on that one? <laughs> Had a little bit of a look. Now, I don't have the hair nor the beard to pull that off. But to some degree, that was my thought. Maybe a little bit of a modern-day version. And what's crazy, too, is John's food is very simple and maybe even a little bit weird. Right? How many of you had locusts for breakfast this morning? Yeah. Hey, after church, snack church, huh? How about some chocolate-covered locusts? You can buy these things. I uh, just talked to somebody recently said you can you can buy some uh, down in the Washington, Iowa area. There's a guy that raises locusts for the purpose of consumption. A locust farm. That's some interesting food. Obviously, there's some strange things here with this man. But in the midst of that, he had a very powerful message that he was trying to get across to the people. You know, baptism at that time was not a new thing. Uh, this was something that they would do. If, if there was somebody that was a Gentile and they wanted to become a Jew, they could be baptized. It was like a, a convert, if you will. Well, John's baptism was different than that. As we just read, John's baptism was, you need to repent of your sins. So it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. I'm telling you right now, you need to repent. Come out here and get baptized. Publicly demonstrate this. Humble yourselves. Get ready. Something's about to happen. He was calling all people. 
wanting people to do this and asking them to repent of their sins. And then Jesus shows up to be baptized. So when I look at this, people are getting baptized for the forgiveness of their sin. Then I ask the question, is Jesus a sinner? Several years ago, Brady and I were watching this television series called Lost. And this airplane crash lands on an island and then all these people try to learn how to survive and live together on this island. And and one of the guys that survives has got a little bit of a religious background and kind of becomes maybe, if you will, the community pastor and they're building a church and one of the passengers that survived is about to have a baby and she would like to be baptized along with her baby and there's a moment in this series where uh, this pastor is sitting on the shoreline and they're just talking about spiritual matters and there's a point where this guy says well one of the reasons we need to be baptized is that Jesus himself was a sinner and needed to be baptized And I'm like, whoa, that is not true. The Son of God was perfect. So let's ask the question, then why did he get baptized? What was the purpose in that? John is calling all sinners, and Jesus steps up. And there's several accounts you can actually read about this in all four Gospels. But John didn't really want to baptize Jesus. But Jesus set the record straight in Matthew 3.15. One of the first reasons was he was going to fulfill all righteousness. That sounds real spiritual, but what in the world does that even mean? Fulfill all righteousness. Well, Jesus said it in Matthew 3.15. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. I want you to think about this. These people that were coming to be baptized, it didn't necessarily bring a heart transformation that they would eventually get when the new kingdom is being set up. There's still a sin issue that's not been fully dealt with, even as they're being baptized. And so Jesus, in Isaiah 53, 11, is called the righteous servant. And he is one that will make it possible for many people to be counted as righteousness. And why? Because he's going to bear our sin. Somewhat along the same lines is one of the reasons why Jesus was getting baptized by John as he's identifying with sinners. He did not need to be baptized, but yet he did so, identifying with people who are sinful. Now, more to come on this particular item. Another reason why Jesus was baptized is he was endorsing John's ministry. John had a following. John had some things he was saying, maybe seen as a little bit of a crazy man. Some people were really leaning in. Some people weren't really leaning in, but they were there watching and almost in disgust. And in the midst of all of that, 
Jesus came to say, this man's ministry is the real deal. And I'm going to submit to that ministry to demonstrate that I approve of it. And that the kingdom really is near as I'm the fulfillment of what he's been saying. Another reason would be to set an example for his followers that would put their faith and trust in him. And this last point, which we're going to spend a little bit of time on, is that this act would reveal his divinity. And what that means is we're about to demonstrate that this man is the Son of God. The Spirit of God came upon Jesus at his baptism, and it validated his divine identity and his earthly mission. It's a major point of emphasis. What a picture that is of Jesus coming up out of the water, and you see the Spirit descending, and then there's a voice from heaven. It's God the Father. And he says something so profound. This is my son. There's a lot of people that were gathered there that day. I wonder how many people left that lakeside and they're going, I just saw something pretty crazy. This man got baptized and then a voice from heaven said, this is my son. But yet there'll still be people who struggle to embrace the fact that Jesus is God. I remember as a kid in the church that I grew up in, we had kind of a, a season or a series where we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes the dove uh, is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes because of this very passage that the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. It's not like some dove just came flying through from the sky and hit Jesus. But there was a sweet nature in which the Spirit fell upon him. But when we think of a dove, there is a likening to the Holy Spirit. And so uh, what we did during that series is every week we would hide this little um, like dove, not a real one, but uh, a fake one. But we'd hide it in different places of the church. And we would challenge people in the church to look for the dove and kind of hoping to, to build this awareness that we ought to be people who are looking for the Holy Spirit as we go about our lives. And we'd hide it in just random places in the sanctuary. And it was especially fun for the kids. You know, I found, I found the dove. But we see this empowerment by the Holy Spirit and this representation of this dove and this is a powerful passage in which you see the Trinity at work. The Trinity can be kind of a confusing topic. We have one God, but there's a Father, and there's a Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are one being, but they're three separate persons. And so, you know, Jesus says, I and the Father, we are one. And that can be confusing for some people. I remember having a conversation with a former classmate of mine that was so twisted up with this that it caused him to struggle about the reality of the fact that Jesus is God. And you can get kind of put into a pretzel, if you will, 
when you really try to think about this. And you can have illustrations and diagrams to try to explain this, but there's still a component into this that's a bit of a mystery. But you have the Father who's saying from heaven, this is my Son, and then you have the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus. Three separate persons, yet they are one. And this is one of the clearest examples in Scripture of where you see all three in a moment doing different things. It's amazing. But a recognition that Jesus is divine. And as Mark is trying to spell out to his listeners this gospel of Jesus Christ, he's the Messiah and he's the Son of God, there will be people who will just simply reject this message because it seems too far-fetched. How could a man also be God? That should blow our minds a little bit. Something that blew my mind this week in just thinking about this passage. So John the Baptist, he was a cousin of Jesus. Okay? You can go into the book of Luke and you can actually discover a little bit more about these two when they were in their mother's wombs. And John's mother, her name was Elizabeth. And then Jesus' mother, of course, is Mary. And Elizabeth is like six months pregnant. And Mary and Elizabeth have an encounter, and all of a sudden, this child inside of Elizabeth leaps at the very presence of Jesus inside of Mary. That's incredible. Now, for those who have been mothers, have you ever had the kick or the movement or ever seen your stomach actually do some weird shapes because of the little one inside of you. What was that like for Elizabeth? Was that exciting or was she like, oh my goodness. But there was something significant going on there. And you could say it was because John the Baptist encountered Jesus the Messiah. And he knew even as this little six-month-old inside his mom, that there was something divine in the tummy next to his position. But as I'm thinking about this, this isn't really John the Baptist's first encounter with Jesus. And that's because when the Bible says that God is knitting these infants together in their mother's womb, guess what? Jesus is a part of that process. Does that just kind of blow your mind a little bit? John the Baptist was actually in proximity to his creator, who's the son of God. So no wonder John says, I ain't baptizing you. <laughs> You're the real deal. And Jesus says, no, we need to do this. Because it's going to fulfill all righteousness. You know, a good question is, is considering Jesus' 
ministry and what he came to this earth to do, considering Jesus' words and the things that we have record of. And there's historians that have actually recorded that Jesus truly did exist. You can find this in the records outside of Scripture. Jesus was a very real man. He really did come to this earth. There's record of him being crucified outside of the Bible. You can look at history. Jesus existed. And I consider this thought from Mark Hopkins made a lot more famous by C.S. Lewis, that if Jesus came to this earth and he was saying these bold things like he's the Son of God, well, then this man was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was actually Lord. He was either a myth, he was a madman, or he's the Messiah. What is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? There's documentation outside the Bible that Jesus existed. It's not some guy we just created and put our faith and trust in. This man existed and was crucified. Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? What is he to you? Is he Lord of your life? Is he king in your life? Well, following Jesus' baptism, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted. That's quite a thing. There was a bit of a testing, maybe. A refining, perhaps. And I look at that, and there's a, you could do a whole message about Jesus' temptation. If you want to dig into that further, I encourage you to look that up in the book of Matthew. You see how Jesus engaged in the spiritual warfare with Satan, and he did it with the word of God. You want to attack the spiritual warfare in your life, use the word. That's a weapon that's been given to us as believers. But what I want to focus on with the temptation that was put upon Jesus is that when I said earlier that Jesus was baptized, one of the reasons was to identify with sinners. I look at this verse in Hebrews 4, verse 15. that says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. And guess what? He didn't sin. Jesus knows what we're going through when we're tempted. And for the Spirit of God to come upon him like that as he came up out of the waters, and then one of the first things we see is Jesus being driven into the wilderness where he'll be tempted. It's another example for us that Jesus knows what we're going through. He knows how to stand firm, and he can equip you to stand firm as well. Whenever we're faced with temptation, in Corinthians it talks about how there's always going to be a way out. God will provide a way out. He will not allow more temptation than we can handle. 
So in those moments where you're tempted to do things that you know would be wrong, ask the Lord, not just to help you, but even just say, show me the way out. Because your word tells me that you provide that. So let's look at the memory verse for this week. Mark 1, verse 15. Again, either Jesus is a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. And he backs up the very words of this crazy man, John the Baptist. And he says, the time has come. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe the good news. Jesus is king, and we can be in his kingdom if we repent of our sins and we put our faith and trust in the king to be the savior of our lives. And then we live in this new kingdom. No matter who your earthly king might be, you have a heavenly king, and his name is Jesus. I find it interesting here, just a little bit of the names John's name would mean the Lord is gracious. And Jesus' name would mean the Lord is salvation. The Bible says it is by grace that you've been saved. And John ushered in the ministry of Jesus. It is by grace that Jesus came to this earth with a purpose to fulfill all righteousness, something that we can't do in our own strength. But Jesus came to do it. And he paid for our sin upon the cross so that we could be set free from sin. So I want to call us to a response here. Has God's grace encountered your life? in such a way that you've received this salvation, where you were cut to the heart and you said, I need to repent. I need to get my life right with the Lord. And I do believe that there's an urgency to the times in which we're living in. And maybe even some self-reflection. I don't know how much time I have left here on this earth. And that someday my final breath will usher me in to eternity, and it's one of two places. And the determination of that all depends on what you did with Jesus here on this earth. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the good news. May God's grace be upon your life to a point in which you would respond to his salvation. The second response is for us as we walk out our spiritual journey. You know, God redeems our life. He sets us free. He saves us. And John gave us a little nugget of truth, but you'll find this nugget in all four Gospels. John says, I baptize with water, but Jesus, he'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So we have John the Baptist, and we have Jesus the Baptist. And you can receive that power, kingdom power that comes from God himself to live a fruitful life here on this earth. He can transform your heart, make you a new person. You can 
be doing incredibly godly things because of how he empowers you. And so we respond to that. Lord, empower me to live in your kingdom. These are interesting times. These are urgent times. So Lord, don't empower me to just sit on the sidelines, go about my week, and then I made no kingdom impact. Lord, empower me to make a difference every single day because this is urgent stuff. The kingdom of heaven is near. In fact, it's here right now, and God is inviting people to be a part of his kingdom. Will you join in that effort? Will you be a John the Baptist? Not that you have to dress up all weird and go be a crazy, kooky co-worker. But you can be a witness to the love of Jesus Christ and letting people know that there is a king and he wants people in his kingdom. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we are living in very interesting times. Sin is raging. We live in a world that that calls evil good and, and good evil. And there's all kinds of pressures and things that are upon our lives and and decisions we have to make, what is right, what is wrong, and I pray that you would guide us and lead us by your word. And Father, if there's someone listening right now that you are sobering them up in their spirit and they know they need to repent, they want to prepare their hearts to be used by you, then I encourage that individual right now to pray with me. Pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, I repent. Please forgive me of my sin. I want to live for you and for your kingdom. And so I'm asking that you would save me and be my Lord and my my God. that as I live my life, may it be about you and not about me. Thank you for this gift of salvation that comes by grace through faith. And Father, for all of us listening, may we be empowered by your spirit. Jesus, empower us. Help us to live transformed lives. Help us to be fruitful in your kingdom. We want to glorify and honor you. Help us to do that, for we cannot do that in our own strength. We love you, Lord. May we build our lives on what truly matters. In Jesus' name, amen.